The views, comments, and opinions of the following program do not necessarily reflect those of Morris Media Studios, MorrisMediaLive.com, or its affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Good day, good day, beloved. Welcome to Faith Without Borders. I am your host, Pastor Calvin Sauls. What a joy it is to have you with us this day uh, as we continue uh, our series, uh, 10-part series. We are today going to be uh, on the seventh installment as we're making our way uh, towards uh, probably one of the most consequential elections uh, in uh, modern-day United States of America. Uh, and uh, finding ourselves, you know, caught, of course, between the uh, pandemic called uh, COVID-19 and uh, its uh, destructive and uh, um, ferocious um, um, force that it has 
you know, uh, uh, impacted so many, so many, so many lives and has been very, very revelatory, you know, uh, in um, what it has revealed around inequities uh, for it, uh, especially um, health inequities. And then, of course, uh, it has uh, certainly uh, amplified the epidemic of uh, racial injustice, especially as it relates to the uh, consequences uh, of white supremacy through institutional uh, racism, uh, as well as the uh, ongoing practice of racial capitalism. And so uh, for the next um, seven weeks, we have uh, journeyed with this theme entitled uh, intersectional convergence, organizing and mobilizing for inclusivity, equality, and equity. And we've kind of tackled that theme from a variety of angles. Uh, we've looked at the census. Uh, we've looked at you know uh, the voting season. We've looked at um, uh, equality from a variety of uh, places, equity, uh, and also uh, shown how these are so, so intersectional you know, uh, in our lives. And so I've basically invited us all to gather at the intersection to see how, of, how these issues affect, you know, uh, our, our lives. This is certainly um, a momentous, perilous, as well as um, tremendous time to live in right now. And uh, it is indeed... Um, um, a joy for me to uh, kind of be in the midst of it with so many others. And this morning, our two guests are two that will uh, again shed some light on some of the issues as we zoom in uh, on some of the uh, propositions and the measures that will be on the November uh, ballot. We want to uh, remind you to Make sure you complete your census. Uh, the end of this month is the deadline, not unless we hear otherwise in the next couple of days because a, a lawsuit uh, has been filed to uh, facilitate an injunction uh, around you know, that September 30th deadline. So we haven't heard any results yet. So, uh, but let's go ahead and do what we uh, can uh, in the next couple of days to make sure that uh, you are counted and, uh, and then... Uh, also, this past week was voting registration day here in the United States, and so we want to make sure that you put your voting plan together as we enter the season of election. We're not talking about election day anymore, uh, but the season of uh, uh, election by making sure that you are registered to vote, making sure that you are on uh, that uh, registration, so verify your registration, and then Vote as early as possible. Um, vote by mail. It doesn't mean you don't have to do, you know, like I always do, making sure that I get to wherever my polling station is and just, you know, a walk on the shoulders of those who've gone before us uh, and all of that. But uh, go ahead and get your vote in as soon as possible because we know what the Trump administration, you know, uh, continues to do around sowing doubt in the electoral process. Uh, but also uh, the challenges around voter suppression uh, that is uh, hot right now and ongoing. So we want to remind you of all of uh, those pieces. 
today we're going to uh, be focusing on two very, very critical um, items, uh, issues that will be on the ballot. One is for Los Angeles County and the other one is for the state of California. And we're going to zoom in on all of that. I'm so uh, glad this morning to welcome to Faith Without Borders. Once again, uh, my friend, my brother, my comrade, uh, Pastor Eddie Anderson. He is the senior pastor at the Makati Memorial Christian Church um, here in Los Angeles, uh, who is on the front lines, you know, uh, with uh, uh, all of us uh, as he continues to do uh, prophetic work, as he continues to do priestly work, and as he continues to do pastoral work. Uh, from the sanctuary to the streets. Uh, I appreciate uh, him and love him much. Uh, let me uh, welcome him, you know, and see if he's alive and uh, uh, well and awake. I'm sure he probably had several cups of coffee already, uh, but, uh, but he, 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 he's, he's the man, uh, my brother from another mother. Pastor Eddie, how you doing, sir? I'm well, my brother. Good to see you, man. Uh, let's uh, always take care of business first. How are you doing? How's the family? Um, and all that good stuff. I'm doing all right. Uh, my family's doing okay. And my family back in Atlanta is doing well as well. So thank God for that. Great, great. The ATL, <laughs> man. Yes, sir. All right now. Um, uh, we wanted to uh, check in, you know, Pastor Eddie, on several, you know, uh, topics. I know the two of us, you know, uh, connect with uh, so many, you know, organizations. Uh, you are, you know, a regional um, organizer with uh, LA Voice, you know, here in uh, Los Angeles. You are with the Poor People's Campaign, you know, um, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, and so we intersect and connect on so many ways. So we're going to try and get to as many as possible, <laughs> but especially, you know, uh, Measure J, you know, uh, around there. But I wanted to start off, you know, uh, with an article that uh, you penned for the Los Angeles Sentinel that uh, came out this past week. I think we have a picture of uh, uh, that article. If not, we're just going to continue, you know, uh, with it in the religion section, um, uh, talking about just uh, this whole, you know, uh, campaign to discredit Black Lives Matter, especially the spiritual aspect of Black Lives Matter. The two of us uh, serve as co-conveners of Clergy for Black Lives, where we seek to bring a theological and a spiritual framework in support of Black Lives Matter based on our understanding, interpretation of the social gospel uh, and, you know, um, uh, the prophetic you know, a role that uh, we as faith leaders and that faith itself plays, uh, this integral aspect of spirituality that's part of uh, the movement of both resistance and reimagination. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, why, you know, you felt the need to write that article and maybe a little bit about, you know, what uh, it, is, it is about. Thank you, brother. Well, I wrote the article. It's entitled The Power of Libation. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wrote it is because I got a text message, and I, and I mentioned this in the article, from my cousin asking me if Black Lives Matter uh, practiced witchcraft. Hmm. I was uh, astonished, and I was like, what? <laughs> you know, uh, and so he said, well, you, you, you went to theology school. Uh, and you're a pastor, so what should you be doing? What, what does this mean? And I really wanted to help bring some clarity 
from people who are a part of the movement, people who are with families who have lost loved ones that were stolen and killed by police-sanctioned violence and state-sanctioned violence, um, for folks who have been moving with this movement uh, and really bringing clarity around what exactly is libation mm -hmm. uh, and what exactly is the discrediting movement trying to achieve. And for me, it comes down to power. Um, uh, whenever black folks in this country, and we know there's always been two forms of black spirituality or faith, there was one that uh, the slave masters or those who enslaved our ancestors gave us and tried to force feed us and will beat and will beat us if we did not repeat back to them. And then there was always the religion that came after the slave master went home. Uh, and that was the religion of liberation, the liberation of freedom, uh, the religion that James Cone uh, says is about not only our spiritual freedom, but our civil freedoms as well. And witchcraft is a buzzword that has often been used uh, by folks who may be well-intentioned, but are so holy or so enthralled with white supremacy and manifest destiny and the dehumanizing of black people, that if you're going to discredit a people, then you must discredit not only their humanity, but their spirituality. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've seen that happen uh, when they went uh, over to the motherland and uh, they went across the shores of Western Africa. Uh, and what they did as they went across, they said, well, these people are savage. And because they're savage, the, their religion can't be intelligible. So we must call it witchcraft because we don't understand what's going on with them. But I will remind folks in our mindfulness in the article that black religion has always been about the spirit, about uh, the ability to share stories through the preacher and the music. If you want to know about black religion, when we uh, catch the spirit, we move in a different way. We may say uh, some different things. That's not witchcraft. We are people who believe uh, that we wrestle not against flesh or blood, but in power and principalities, which means that we believe that there are demons, there are angels, there are good spirits and bad spirits, and that our ancestors are carried with us. That's not witchcraft. That's biblical. And then we look at the text, and we see that Jesus himself acknowledges his ancestors, the God of Jacob, mm -hmm. the God of Isaac, and the God of, of Abraham, that Jesus himself communes with his ancestors, on a, on a mountain, when you take uh, Elijah and Abraham and Moses come down to visit, that's called uh, poured out some libations. That's the Mount of Transfiguration, which we give that, that name. Jesus did not call it that. And then we practice it every Sunday at church uh, when you uh, take communion. But if you don't go to church, you've seen it in your neighborhood. When somebody dies in your family and you pour it out for the homies, that's libations. And witchcraft is the way to prosecute a movement that may actually revive the soul of America. And it's a time old whistleblowing uh, that uh, mm -hmm. folks who do not understand our spirituality choose to demonize it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly as one who was born and raised in South Africa, when we had a conversation about this among us as a clergy for black lives, you know, I basically shared that, you know, uh, we have to be uh, clear about the fact that in so many ways, you know, um, uh, the, the, the missiology, the evangelization uh, that was brought to Africa was one infected with and affected, you know, uh, uh, by dehumanization. You know, uh, uh, salvation, you know, uh, was, you know, predicated 
you know, upon the fact that uh, my ancestors, our ancestors, uh, were looked at, you know, as uncivilized, and uh, and so we have to really, you know, uh, distinguish between, you know, um, uh, mercenaries and missionaries, right? You know, mm-hmm. as we as we do this work, but um, I've learned that, you know, missionaries did not bring, you know, uh, spirituality and faith, you know, uh, to Africa. We've always had that, you know, uh, as a people, you know, and so. Uh, it is so important that we that we realize that, and we see you know uh, so many you know uh, opportunities for libation when we have altars that are set up, you know uh, wherever you know uh, somebody is gunned down or whenever wherever somebody dies. You talked about you know uh, the murals you know that we you know uh, that we have, uh, and so uh, it is you know an integral part to 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 honor those who've gone before us. We do it at every every funeral, right? is a way, uh, is a whole experience of libation because we are honoring, celebrating, and lifting up the person, you know, that has gone, you know, uh, before us. So uh, so we'd want to say, folk, that, uh, you know, we ought not to, you know, uh, uh, be bamboozled, you know, by, again, one of the theo- theological aspects of white supremacy, you know, and that is uh, to... Uh, first, of course, dehumanize, you know, uh, uh, black folk, and then uh, in so many ways, you know, as part of that, you know, to then see, you know, how uh, we get, you know, uh, destabilized spiritually uh, by trying to give us just one particular aspect of, you know, a religion, you know, uh, of spirituality uh, around that. So, 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 so thanks for that. We want to encourage people to check out the Los Angeles Sentinel. It is a powerful article, very enlightening and revelatory. Uh, check it out. Uh, and of course, you can always, you know, uh, connect with any of us, you know, if you have any more questions, you know, uh, around that. I always say, you know, we, wor- we walk uh, on the, or we stand on the bold and broad shoulders of those who've gone before us. Uh, and especially during this time, we call on the C.T. Vivians, we call on uh, the, um, uh, 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 so many others, the, the Ella Bakers, we call on the John Lewis's, you know, uh, and, and, and when we do what we need to do in this voting season, it is honoring them and pouring libation, you know, uh, through, you know, uh, our, our voting. So thanks for that, Pastor Eddie, really appreciate that. I want to get to, you know, uh, Measure J, uh, and I know, uh, we have a whole, col- you know, uh, uh, um, collaborative called Reimagine LA. Uh, we've worked on, you know, uh, Measure J uh, and what it means uh, and all of that. Uh, we have, I went to the Measure J website and, and, and we, we were able to get a little video, you know, uh, about it. So before, you know, uh, we talk about, it, I'm going to try and see if we can just, you know, bring some uh, enlightenment to folk with, with, with a little bit of information about this by just playing, you know, this video and then we'll continue our conversation you know, uh, 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 on the other side, you know, of this. So.
Let me just say, we at Faith Without Borders, we are unapologetically supporting, you know, uh, Measure J. Uh, it aligns with our values and our vision uh, around beloved community. Uh, Pastor Eddie, uh, uh, I know you serve on the steering committee uh, and continue to provide uh, some uh, awesome prophetic guidance around, you know, uh, Measure J and all uh, uh, um, the Reimagine LA work that uh, is going on. Can you kind of just put this Measure J for us within context? Because I think sometimes, you know, we look at propositions, you know, in a vacuum, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and kind of think of what's happening as, as ahistorical, if you will, right? Uh, but kind of put this into perspective for us in terms of, you know, how do we land where we are and why is Measure J so important for us uh, as we seek to reimagine the city and the county of Los Angeles? Absolutely. So Measure J um, is the birth of two movements converging. Uh, the first movement is the movement for uh, decarceration in our county, for we know that African Americans or black people are 8% of the population in Los Angeles County, but are over 30% of the jail population. That Los Angeles jails is the largest mental health provider in the world. But we also know uh, that you can't get well in a cell. And so there was a two-year study on what are the alternatives to incarceration. It came up with 70 different intercepts, 70 different inter interceptions around what we can do instead of locking people up and how do we care for people and not put them in cages. Uh, the second movement that you know about is the Black Lives Matter movement. And we've been talking about Black Lives Matter movement that we're not only marching for black death, but also for black future, right? Black death may have caused us to come out into the street, but black future is why we stay in the streets. Uh, and what we've noticed is that there's been a systematic institutional disinvestment in the community. That when you looked at COVID-19, you saw that there wasn't enough housing, especially in the black community. You saw there wasn't enough healthcare in the black community. You saw that there weren't enough jobs and that the essential workers weren't getting paid uh, the, the money that they should have been paid or being taken care of in the way they should have been taken care of. Measure J says uh, we can make all of that happen in uh, Los Angeles and we can have an equitable society. We can get on that road uh, towards equity uh, in our society, which means a strategic investment in the areas which have been divested from. And so the county budget is 30 billion dollars. You heard that right. 30 billion dollars. Most of that money is earmarked from the state to pay for things like health care and, and jobs and education. But they do have revenues. And so if you look at the revenues, uh, it's over 10 billion dollars a year. Uh, and so Major J says, uh, instead of just saying Black Lives Matter, Instead of just passing a motion that says we need racial equity when we look at every single thing that legislatively we pass in Los Angeles County, what if we take 10% of the county revenues every year in perpetuity, that's between 900 and $1.6 billion in this moment where everyone in the world is looking and saying, you say Black Lives Matter, but as they always say, are you saying it with your mouth and with your pocketbook? And so uh, this says we, L.A. can actually put 
uh, black lives and brown lives at the forefront, those who have been divested from, those who have been incarcerated, those who don't have health care, those who are experiencing houselessness but can't find affordable housing, and the black community, which needs a real uh, resurgence of capital because we know, and uh, if you just don't look at, if you look at history, that after every recession in this nation, it's taking the black community an additional four years to get back on footing when the rest of the world gets back to footing. So for that, for that, what does that mean for us? It means that we're in for the long haul of recovery. And so this is a, in many ways, saying that for the next in perpetuity, that we can invest in black communities, we can invest in healthcare, we can invest in housing, we can invest uh, in jobs. That we know the main proponent of the main opposition of this is the sheriff union and the DA union because it says that we believe and we know that there's a better way than locking up our people. There's a better way than criminalizing a community than taking money out of the community that we could put our community resources and investment into our neighborhoods. Thanks for that. Uh, I mean, you said it, you know, uh, right there that what we are dealing with, you know, uh, right now, of course, is how to uh, 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 resist the, you know, uh, the prison industrial context. Uh, I mean, the prison industrial complex in this, the county of Los Angeles, as well as the law enforcement industrial complexes. Those are two institutions in the county uh, that has um, uh, a record, you know, historically as well as today. Uh, they have been engaged in the. Um, uh, the incarceration, you know, uh, of, you know, uh, uh, black bodies, you know, uh, in this county, but not just that, uh, but also the uh, destruction of uh, black bodies, if you will. Uh, these two, the convergence of these two and how Measure J comes uh, and basically make a statement saying that the, um, uh, the devaluing and the destruction of black bodies in Los Angeles uh, continues to be a moral crisis. In fact, let me go further by saying this. Inequity in Los Angeles County is a moral crisis. We might boast that this is a city of angels, but it is clear uh, that uh, we have uh, angels and then we have lesser angels, right? And the lesser angels are those, you know, uh, who are of darker hue and, of, and whose wings continue to be clipped by institutional racism, exploitation, inequity, inequality uh, that uh, has gone on, you know, uh, for many, many, many years. Uh, uh, this is a tithe we're talking about. I mean, both of us are pastors, you know, uh, uh, out of, you know, the billions that the county gets. We are, what we are saying is tithe into proactive and preventative investment, right, instead of continuing to feed reactive and destructive, you see, uh, measures that continue to happen, you know, uh, in, uh, in the county. But this kind of connects back, Pastor Eddie, you know, with, you know, a, a report that came out after the Watts riots, right, in the 60s, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where there's been a call for reinvestment, a call for reimagination, because people, you know, uh, a commission looked at the root causes, you know, of all of these riots, all of these uprisings, you know, uh, and really it boils down to the fact that historically disinvestment 
in the black community has been the, uh, um, um, you know, how things you know, have gone on, you know, uh, in, in the city and county. Let, let's make that connection for folk as well. Yeah, so absolutely. When you look back at the Watts riots in the 60s uh, and, you, and you look at the systemic causes, it was poverty. People were in the street because they were tired of having the government uh, step on their neck and taking the food out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why you saw uh, the Walt riots. Right. If you want to talk about it in scripture this Sunday, I got to preach a little bit. Uh, Amos says that until justice is established in the gates, there will be wailing in the street. So that's what we saw in the 60s. Right. And then that continued that the investment did not come. The money did not come. We know we had a war against on poverty uh, in this nation. But the money didn't make it all the way down. We did trickle-down economics in, in this nation, and the money got didn't, didn't make it to the black neighborhood. So in the 90s, you saw another rebellion happen. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the report said that you needed $3 billion to make LA, the South Los Angeles, the places where black folks and brown folks live and occupy and live and we would have their being, uh, you needed $3 billion just to get them on the same footing for recovery. The reports that came out after that said that what really happened in Los, South Los Angeles was around $400 million. That's a third of the money that we needed just to get back on the same footing. So now that number has been exacerbated and we have seen more disinvestment. You don't believe me. You can still drive down certain parts and watch. And the places that were burned in the 90s and the 60s are still vacant lots. Right? That's a shame. That is a, a moral outrage. And the county has to do something about it. You're still right, Pastor Saul. There's too many people who have been trying to fly in this in this. Los Angeles, the city of dreams and of angels and a Hollywood town, but they come here and their dreams are broken because their wings are clipped and some of their wings are cut off because they have been kissed by the sun and God has blessed them to live in darker skin. Hmm. And so we have to really deal with this, right? If, we, hmm. if we're going to pr- have progress in this moment, if we're not going to allow history to repeat itself, write a new chapter and sing a new song uh, in this land because so many of our people migrated here. We got to talk about investment. Investment that should have been ours in the 60s. Investment should have been ours in the 80s and they promised you a uh, trickle down economics. The investment that is promised us in the 90s after uh, the Watts uh, rebellion <coughs> and Ronnie King was killed. We got to have investment because mm-hmm. for too long We've been okay with lip service. We've been okay with putting on a bulletin board. We've been okay with extracting our culture but not paying us for it. we got to talk about how do we put care first because budgets are moral documents. And the budget of Los Angeles has said for over 50 years, black lives, you don't matter that much to us. And not just that, but uh, we will profit from you, right? Uh, uh, we will not just, you know, devalue you, but we will discard you. And, uh, and that's why, you know, this whole movement around uh, uh, decarceration uh, uh, and the reimagination, you know, uh, of that, 
you know, uh, uh, yesterday we had the gathering of Push LA, you know, which is another movement that's going on around all of this. You know, we have, you know, a Prop 17 on uh, uh, the ballot, and we'll talk about that one, you know, uh, uh, next week, uh, as well as the whole piece, you know, uh, around, you know, uh, defunding the police and this invitation to reimagine as well as, you know, uh, reinvest. Basically, what we are saying with Mr. J, uh, Pastor Eddie, is, you know, it is not just enough for folk now to have co-opted and adopted, you know, um, uh, Black Lives Matter, right? It's not just enough for you now to put it on your car, put it on your building, right? You know, make it part of your social media platforms. What we are saying is now it's the opportunity for folk to see how they can go beyond those words, right? Uh, and to see how uh, they can engage in this work of uh, casting their vote uh, in uh, support of uh, Measure J. It's not just about hanging a banner that says Black Lives Matter. The opportunity now is before us, in front of us, uh, to see how we can take bold action, right, you know, uh, uh, to you know, uh, be preventative and to be proactive, you know, uh, around that. You and I know that uh, in the county of Los Angeles, the life expectancy of a child, of a family, of a man or a woman is determined by their zip code. And if you really analyze those zip codes, you really kind of get a sense uh, of who are uh, angels and who are lesser angels. And as you say, the lesser angels are those who've been blessed, you know, uh, to be born in black bodies, right? Uh, 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 uh. And also, uh, by tackling all of this, we are really also facilitating the convergence of inequality and inequity and distinguishing between those two, you know, uh, around that. And, and, and that's why that, you know, uh, is so, is so uh, critical, you know, uh, for us. I know you got to uh, uh, preach. I know you got your sermon rolling. It's, 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 it's popping. But any, uh, any final words that you have, you know, for us just around Measure J and why? You know, uh, not just as people of faith, but as uh, as folk, you know, uh, who are about the humanity and the dignity of uh, sisters and brothers. Why it is that we need to vote in the affirmative of Measure J? Yes, I, I'll just say this for those who are Christian. Um, think about the scripture in Acts. In Acts chapter 6, they came to the elders of the church and said that those who were Greek and Jewish were not getting their fair share. They weren't getting what they needed, and so they had to rectify it because the spirit does not dwell among mess. And so the question for you, when you go into the ballot, are black and brown communities worth at least 10%? And is that fair? And if the answer to that question is yes on both accounts, and know the spirit cannot dwell in mess, and the spirit of God is upon you to vote yes on Major J. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you taking some time to uh, uh, to join us on Faith Without Borders. Uh, blessings on you and the family and the ministry. Uh, I'll see you in the streets, uh, and um, uh, God, you know, uh, will continue to, you know, uh, move us, uh, uh, work in us, and guide us you know, uh, during, you know, these uh, perilous uh, and tumultuous uh, time, uh, making sure 
you know, uh, that we do have a uh, prophetic word out there uh, that really challenges, you know, uh, the, the, the blasphemy of um, um, the prosperity gospel. That's really a theological justification, you know, uh, for trickle-down, you know, uh, economics that is not, you know, uh, uh, godly and, and not an integral part of how we get to uh, beloved community. Uh, thanks, Pastor Eddie. Appreciate it, man, and looking yep. forward to us continuing uh, to be about, you know, uh, um, uh, organizing people power for liberatory progress. Much love, man. I'll Much see love. you soon. Bless my brother. Yes. All right, there, uh, there we have it. You know, uh, Measure J is on and popping. Uh, I hope that uh, we have been enlightened about it uh, and you know, how it invites us, you know, uh, to, you know, uh, to share in it. We're going to transition to our next, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, piece. Uh, but again, we want to remind you about the census. Uh, it is uh, coming to a close here in the next couple of days. And as I've always said about the census, it is about, you know, uh, respecting your dignity and your humanity and your presence, you know, uh, in the uh, uh, board within the borders of the United States of uh, America. Uh, secondly, it is about representation, uh, who will be there to facilitate legislation that will uh, move us, you know, towards, you know, uh, equality and equity. And then, you know, uh, in addition, you know, to representation and respect, uh, it is also about resources. Uh, how do we make sure that we have the necessary resources that can provide a safety net for the least of these in our communities. Uh, let's check out this video and then we'll move on uh, to our next proposition. A lot can happen in 10 years. Your family can grow, your neighborhood can change, you might even choose a hairstyle you'll regret. Aww. The United States Census is about keeping count of all the people in the United States. It helps us give opportunities to grow, thrive, and be represented in government to those that need it most. In essence, the census is a survey of the population in our country. It helps us understand how many people live in our country. The census asks where you live, how many people live in your household, and any other information to determine the needs of the community. The census counts everyone living all over the United States, whether a citizen or not. It's for all people living here, working, building communities, and contributing to our country. This is important for many reasons. First, it allows government to know what neighborhoods are growing and what needs they have. For example, a complete count of the census can mean your community becomes more livable with parks, schools, roads, and much more. Also, businesses can use the census information to know what type of businesses and jobs are needed in your community. It allows an accurate number of congressional representatives in the federal government for each community. Think about it. If nobody in your town fills out a census, it's as if you don't exist and you won't be represented in the government and your needs will not be heard. It's important for you to know that the information you provide is confidential and by law cannot be released to any law enforcement agency. Let's say that again. It's illegal for the Census Bureau to release your private personal information. No law enforcement agency will be able to look at the personal information you provide and will never ask for sensitive information such as your social security number. In the time it takes you to order a coffee, you could fill out your census. The census asks questions like how many people live in your address and their age, race, and relationship to others in the household. Make sure to count everyone in your household, from the baby to the grandparents. 
even your cousin Larry, who has been staying with you for the last three months. You can do this online, through the mail, or you might get a knock on the door. I know, I know, who does that anymore? So let's make everyone count. Let's make our voices heard. Let's participate in the Census 2020 and make our communities better places to live. To learn more, visit CaliforniaCensus.org. All right, there you have it. The census is about, you know, housing, and that's what our uh, next conversation is about, given the fact that we're dealing with a housing crisis, you know, uh, in uh, California, as well as, you know, an affordability uh, crisis in uh, California. Proposition 21 uh, uh, seeks to address uh, that, and I'm so glad uh, today to be uh, joined by the campaign manager for Yes on Prop 21, uh, my brother, Renee Christian Moya. My brother, are you there, sir? Uh, I'm here. I'm here. Good morning. There he is. Hey, man. How you doing? How's the family? Let's 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 take care of business quickly here. How are you doing? Oh, How's the family, man? I'm good. I'm good. You know, just dealing with this uh, very bizarre time with uh, with COVID um, and a couple of life changes that are coming down the pipeline. But uh, otherwise, good. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you joining us, man. And and also. You know, uh, the work that we are able to do around just uh, standing at the intersection of connecting, you know, uh, black and brown power in profound ways as we move forward, you know, in unity as well as solidarity. So your leadership certainly, you know, uh, uh, is, uh, is, is, is critical, is powerful. And I, I want you to know uh, that I appreciate that and, and really enjoy working with you uh, uh, during these challenging times. Uh, uh, look, man, Prop 21, it's on and popping, man, and um, really glad that, you know, we're able to, you know, check in around it. Uh, uh, this, of course, affect you know, uh, uh, millions of folk, uh, renters here in the state of California. Um, uh, so tell us a little bit, you know, uh, about, I know we're going to show a couple of videos, but I wanted to uh, get your voice in uh, ASAP. Just give us the essentials you know, about, you know, uh, uh, Prop 21 and why it is so important that this time around, you know, uh, we, uh, we, we, we get going on this, you know, as part of making sure that we keep families together, that there is stability, you know, uh, for, you know, uh, families who are renting, uh, as well as stability, you know, for the communities that they live in. For sure. You know, Prop 21 really is about keeping families in their homes. Uh, we know that millions of people uh, have been struggling to pay their rent for years now. Uh, and because of the COVID-19 pandemic, that situation is only getting worse. Uh, what Prop 21 does is that it allows our local communities to expand renter protections so that you can limit rent increases in your community. And at the same time, allows those communities to preserve affordable housing. Uh, while uh, limiting rent increases and preserving affordable housing, you know, that will help uh, the renters in our communities and prevent homelessness, uh, which obviously would benefit all of our communities. We certainly know that we do have a homeless crisis, you know, uh, in the state of California. Uh, and for us, of course, here in the city and the county of Los Angeles, I, you know, uh, have the uh, privilege of serving as a commissioner on the uh, uh, Commission on Homelessness here in the city, you know, and the county. And so deal with this, you know, every day from a policy perspective, but also from a, a practical perspective. You know, I, I on Sundays, you know, leave this um, broadcast uh, and I go and, 
um, uh, take some uh, uh, lunch to my uh, houseless neighbors and spend some time with them, you know, uh, because they do matter uh, and they are, you know, uh, and I, I do call them neighbors, but it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, and, and we know there are several drivers, you know, uh, to the experience of homelessness and certainly affordability, you know, uh, of housing is one of them. That's, you know, uh, uh, what I hear uh, as I, you know, uh, talk, you know, uh, with them in my, in my neighborhood whenever I get the opportunity to spend, you know, uh, some time, you know, uh, with them. I know, you know, a couple of years ago I was uh, very, very involved in Proposition 10, you know, uh, so Renee, can you tell us a little bit what's the difference between Proposition 10 and Proposition 21? And then we're going to watch this video. Absolutely. And before I do that, though, Pastor Sauls, I did want to, you know, just very quickly remind uh, viewers that, you know, the problem of housing affordability, um, economic crisis and evictions, these are the biggest drivers of homelessness, actually. Uh, in California. And so we know that bringing stability to communities is extremely important. Um, in terms of the difference between Prop 10 and Prop 21, uh, Prop 10 would have repealed a law entirely that restricted rent control in California. Mm -hmm. Our initiative is slightly different. It does something very similar. It allows us to expand rent control. Uh, but at the same time, it says that certain exemptions uh, apply. So what does that mean? If you're a homeowner and you're not in the rental home business, you will not be affected by Prop 21. Uh, if you own up to two single family homes, you will not be affected by Prop 21. Uh, if uh, you know we have new construction in our cities, if we're building housing in our cities, uh, that housing that is newly built uh, within the last 15 years, that also will not be uh, brought under rent control. And finally, we allow for uh, moderate uh, vacancy controls. What that means is that we can uh, limit rent increases when one tenant moves out and another tenant moves in, but we do it in a moderate way so that, again, landlords can continue to make uh, a fair profit. And in fact, our initiative does one thing uh, similar to Prop 10, which is that we allow or guarantee landlords a profit so that they can continue to make a, a decent living off of their rental income. Yeah, and indeed, there's nothing wrong with making a profit, right? Uh, but I think what we are saying is connecting affordability with dignity, right? And connecting affordability with accessibility, uh, connecting mm -hmm. of affordability with stability, you know, because we see the instability uh, that is caused by, as you mentioned, you know, uh, the crisis around eviction and the crisis around the cost, you know, uh, of uh, of this. Uh, let's uh, let's watch the uh, video. Just you know, uh, you know, if you like me, you always want to get a visual in addition to words, you know, uh, around this. And uh, I'm glad and appreciate Renee providing you know uh, this video for us. So let's uh, let's check out this video and we continue our conversation around Proposition 21. California has a problem. Rising rents are driving up homelessness in counties across the state. Over 5 million California renters spend more than half their income on rent. When rents go up, tents go up. Luckily, there's something we can do to help. Proposition 21 will allow cities and counties to expand rent control throughout California, which limits how much a landlord can increase the rent each year and will allow rent control on housing that is more than 15 years old. 
It will provide relief to millions of renters in California without impacting construction of new homes. Proposition 21 protects single-family homeowners by exempting them from rent control. If you're not in the rental home business, this law will not affect you. Prop 21 will bring fairness to our housing markets and stable, secure homes for millions of Californians. Join the movement and help expand rent control now. Keep families in their homes. Vote yes on Prop 21 this November. Keep families in their homes uh, because when rents go up, tents go up. Uh, I've right. watched now some of the, you know, uh, opposition putting out, you know, all of these videos. And, of course, just like two years ago, they've created a boogeyman, you know, uh, and, and, and to try and cause confusion, you know, uh, and, 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 and all of, you know, the illusions that they try to create. Uh, but one that is very striking to me is, of course, about uh, our veterans. You know, can you maybe kind of give us some clarification around, you know, uh, that piece? Because we know that veterans are near and dear to our hearts. We want to make sure uh, that they are served because they've served. And uh, because of the, you know, large homeless uh, uh, population that we have among veterans, which is just, you know, uh, abominable, you know, uh, in, our, in the society, you know, uh, around there. But... Tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, how will veterans be protected around us? How will seniors be protected? Because, you know, those are, you know, uh, uh, folk in our community that we want to make sure are, are protected and cared for. Absolutely. And, you know, we are supported by organizations such as Veteran, uh, Veterans Voices. We are supported by the California Alliance of Retired Americans. We are uh, being supported by Social Security Works. All of these organizations that work with seniors and veterans in particular, um, you know, I want to actually very quickly focus on seniors, I think, in particular, because I think that we often forget just how much our seniors uh, are suffering as a result of the housing crisis. Right now, the largest segment of the population or the fastest growing segment of our homeless population are seniors. In other words, seniors are becoming homeless at a higher rate than any other demographic category in California right now. Three quarters, 75% of seniors, especially on low incomes, are currently rent burdened. That means that they spend too much money of their income on rent. Uh, and this is no surprise because we know that social security checks uh, are not enough to be able to stretch enough to be able to pay the rent, uh, number one. Number two, we know that, uh, again, over three quarters of seniors have very little in savings and they only or primarily rely on their Social Security check to do that. Meanwhile, uh, you know, rents are increasing faster than wages. They're increasing much faster than what is uh, allowed for or, or um, they're growing faster than Social Security or fixed incomes. Right. Uh, and so as an ex example of that. You know, under a California law, uh, many, you know, buildings or apartment buildings have no protections for uh, for renters at all. Right. But even those who do or are being protected by state law uh, right now, uh, that still allows rent increases of up to 10 percent a year. If you're a senior, your Social Security check is not increasing 10 percent a year. It's not even growing 5 percent a year. Mm -hmm. And so we say this. 
this is an, an impossible situation for our seniors to be living in. Our veterans are in exactly the same situation. It's why the veteran population has tended to be so large, because we know that housing instability directly impacts the ability of seniors, not just to find housing, but to keep housing, to be stable in housing. Uh, and ultimately, that is what Prop 21 is about. It's about bringing stability and peace of mind to seniors, veterans, families, uh, and, and communities of color that are struggling right now. Peace of mind, certainly, Renee, is just invaluable, especially to our seniors, given you know, what they've done, how they've contributed. And uh, you are absolutely right. It is just painful. It is unacceptable, unacceptable you know, uh, that seniors, you know, uh, are the largest, you know, uh, uh, group that, you know, uh, really, you know, uh, are going into the experience, you know, of homelessness. And, and, and I think that is why it is so imperative for us uh, to, to, to get this to pass. You know, again, it is not about uh, uh, taking money out of anybody's pocket, right? It is about trying to see how we can, you know, put lives back together, right? Uh, it is about how we seek to stabilize, you know, our families because, you know, uh, affordability brings, you know, stability to the lives of our seniors. Uh, and we all also know uh, that many, many times seniors, you know, uh, have, you know, uh, children and or grandchildren that live with them you know, uh, uh, because of that kinship network that they continue to uh, hold in our communities, you know, especially black and brown communities, you know, uh, around us. So we certainly want to, you know, see how we can relieve that rent burden from them. Uh, you also mentioned fairness, right? Fairness is just another word for equity, right? Uh, so, so this is all part of us moving towards a more just and fair society. Recently, one of the encampments of my, you know, neighbors who happened to be houseless, uh, houseless burned down, you know, uh, and as we were coordinating, you know, around a response to that and how to just bring relief to them because whatever they had now was gone, you know, uh, and I was, you know, uh, uh, standing there, the folk from Lhasa was responsive and I, I'm uh, uh, grateful for that. The focus in John's, you know, uh, they were responsive, and we were all there, coming together to to work, you know, uh, uh, on this. And 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 somebody asked me and, and said, well, you know, you know, uh, Pastor Sauls, you you seem to be very very passionate about you know uh, the work, you know, with you know neighbors who are uh, houseless. You know, why why is that? And you know, and I said to them, first and foremost, they are human beings. Uh, secondly. Uh, the one that I call Savior, Jesus Christ, right, uh, experienced homelessness, right? Uh, in fact, he, he, he has a, 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 because of where he was born, there was no room in the inn, right? And, and then he says, you know, the birds have nests, you know, etc., uh, etc., et but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Mm -hmm. So homelessness is an integral part of who we are as people of faith and how we ought to facilitate you know, uh, uh, stability for folk, accessibility to folk, uh, uh, and for the over 17 or so million renters, you know, in California, this is going to be critical because, you know, uh, uh, in my faith tradition, Jesus, you know, uh, can identify with them. In fact, you know, he is in close proximity 
to what they are going through. That's why I'm so passionate about this. Uh, and that is why, you know, uh, uh, I work hard, you know, to see how we can breach policy with programs for direct service so we can, you know, move people into stability and into, you know, a, a beloved community uh, around that. Renee, you mentioned seniors. Uh, uh, one of our sheroes that we share, you know, uh, is of course uh, a senior and out on the forefront. She's been doing this for years now. Uh, I was able to find this video, you know, uh, of our shiro, you know, our elder, you know, uh, Sister uh, Dolores Huerta. You know, uh, we're going to try and see if we can play, you know, and just get her voice in here, you know, uh, about what she's saying around, you know, uh, this. So here's a video, you know, uh, that we want to quickly play, you know, uh, uh, with our elder, our shiro, a contemporary of Seja Saves and the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. still on the front lines uh, at Dolores Huerta. I'm Dolores Huerta and I have fought for the rights of workers my whole life. Over 4 million Californians are now unemployed due to the coronavirus and millions can't pay their rent. While many elected officials want to protect renters, current state laws restrict what they can do. We deserve fair rents now. Si se puede. Keep families in their homes. Vote yes on Proposition 21 this November. She said it, man. Si se puede. Yes, sir. Uh, Renee, tell us a little bit about where can we get some more information about uh, yes on Prop you know, uh, 21 uh, and uh, any you know, other strategies that we can employ. You know, how can we continue to mobilize folk? I know you have a dynamic team that you're working with. Uh, it's all part of our machinery at the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, uh, 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 and housing is a, uh, is a human right, as well as the uh, Healthy Housing you know, uh, Foundation. But before you do that, you know, I know this is a broad you know, uh, collaborative. You know, uh, mention you know, to us just some of the other organizations you know, uh, that are uh, with us on this, and, and, and they are out you know, uh, 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 in the forefront you know, around making sure that we move this forward. Let's, let's, let's mention some of our other partners, you know, with us on the Yes on Prop 21 uh, uh, campaign. Absolutely. And so right now we are being supported by the California Nurses Association, uh, the ACLU of California, the California Alliance of Retired Americans, the California Democratic Party. We were recently endorsed by the Los Angeles Times, uh, as well as with a bevy of elected officials at the federal, state, and local level. You know, here in California, we've been endorsed by some of our federal leaders, including Karen Bass, Maxine Waters, Barbara Lee. Uh, we've been, uh, you know, supported by a number of our statewide officials, uh, including the former president of the California State Senate. We have the support of uh, labor unions, including uh, SEIU California, Ask Me California People. Uh, we are being supported by every major tenants union in the state of California, the Los Angeles Tenants Union, the San Francisco Tenants Union, the Oakland Tenants Union, uh, you name it, we have them. Uh, we have the uh, support of cities such as West Hollywood and Santa Monica, the support of nonprofit organizations such as Housing California. And so, you know, again, we know that uh, we have the broad support that we need. We have hundreds of support uh, supporters at the local, state, and federal level who are supporting us, and we want all of you to join us and being able to make it happen. If you want to learn more and how to do that, 
you should go to yeson21ca.org. I'm going to repeat that again. Yeson21ca.org. On that website, you can find out more about Prop 21, uh, and you'll be able to also find how you can volunteer. Uh, right now, we are texting and phone, uh, you know, calling voters across the state. We need your support. If you can get on the phones and if you can text uh, your voters and let them know to support Prop 21, you can absolutely do that. And you can find out how to do that on the website. You will also find links to our social media uh, handles, our Facebook, our Twitter, uh, you know, even our, our Instagram, if you'd like to find that as well. Um, and through that social media, you can find out more information and you can repost it. So if you see our material on Facebook, on Twitter, um, I really invite all of you to, to be sharing that as broadly as possible to get the word out there. Uh, they, the other side, the no on 21 side, have all the money in the world. They already have more than twice as much money as we do. They will likely end up having three or four times as much money as we do. We are going to get outspent. The only way we can win this is if we get we mobilize people power and and spread the word uh, to our friends and our family members. And so I encourage all of you to do so. All right, all right, all right. We this is uh, David versus Goliath, and uh, we are certainly not intimidated, uh, uh, Renee, because you know uh, we know how that story ended in the Bible around David and Goliath, and so uh, right. we want to uh, let folk know that uh, we have the confidence in people power. Uh, you have the power in your hands. You know, uh, this November the third. You know, make sure uh, that's the deadline for voting. Okay. This is a voting season, and we know folk uh, have already received their ballots, uh, so make sure that you are registered, verify your registration, because we know that purging is real, voter um, suppression is real, and uh, so we want to make sure that you know, we, we, we are on so that your vote uh, counts, and it does count. That is, that is just the, uh, uh, the powerful thing around this. It is about... You know, a stability, affordability, but most of all, it is about the humanity and the dignity of our sisters and brothers, you know, uh, who are currently experiencing rent burden. Uh, and we want for them to make sure that because we are not just about, you know, uh, saying or talking about uh, family values, we actually value families. And we value families enough uh, to uh, have this proposition on the ballot uh, to make sure that families stay together. Uh, that's uh, what is so uh, uh, powerful uh, around this. Renee, do you have any uh, uh, final words uh, for us? Uh, you know, uh, the only thing I think I want to close with is to say, you know, this is a daunting challenge ahead. Uh, you know, the opposition, uh, Reverend Sauls, as you, uh, Pastor Sauls, as you uh, said already at the beginning, is running uh, countless ads already on, on TV and on digital and unfortunately, they have a tendency to lie uh, and confuse people. And so, you know, we want all of you, I would invite all of you to, to look past those lies. Again, find out more information on our website, yeson21ca.org. And really, as they say in Spanish, in Spanish corre la voz, you know, uh, uh, spread the word. Talk to your friends and your neighbors about this. Uh, because we need to do so much more if we're ever going to be able to solve the housing and homelessness crisis here in the state of California. Prop 21 can help. Sisters and brothers, do not be bamboozled because uh, uh, Renee is right. Uh, deception is real. 
Uh, it runs from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue uh, straight up into all of these developers uh, that continue to uh, uh, marginalize you know, uh, families, that continue to uh, do whatever they can to destabilize you know, uh, families because for them uh, it is indeed you know, uh, profitable. Uh, Renee, thank you, man. You know you have our prayers and partnership. Uh, uh, we are certainly, you know, uh, we do have a uh, support from our faith community uh, around this. And uh, uh, we, we, we've worked on some pieces in the newspapers, you know, uh, as well as, you know, uh, for this coming week. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, I have colleagues uh, and prophetic leaders, you know, uh, who are about beloved community uh, as it relates to the affordability, you know, uh, of uh, housing. Listen, man, keep the faith, stay fortified, and uh, I'll see you on the front lines, man. Thank you so much, Pastor Sauls. Thank you for having me, and, and have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too, man. Much love. So there you have it. Uh, we, we checked in on these, you know, uh, that was Proposition uh, 21. Uh, and again, you know, um, um, we want for you to know that, you know, uh, we are uh, uh, in full support of that proposition because, you know, uh, it certainly, you know, uh, connects with our vision and our values here, you know, at Faith Without Borders. Uh, it is about uh, uh, creating, establishing, facilitating beloved community uh, because, as our theme says, uh, it is about you know uh, uh, intersectional convergence, and we are about organizing uh, and mobilizing for inclusivity, equality, uh, and equity. Um, I know that this week uh, we've seen a lot of announcements that came. You know, the new you know um, Supreme Justice uh, was announced. Uh, the candidates, you know, for you know, uh, from uh, the Trump administration. Uh, and uh, as I put on social media, uh, we are not surprised that uh, he did a Clarence, a Clarence Thomas, you know, uh, uh, with us, just like, you know, uh, uh, Papa Bush did by going and looking for uh, the most conservative African-American in Clarence Thomas to replace, you know, uh, the progressive um, uh, and beloved community uh, promoter Thurgood Marshall. Uh, here we are here uh, again uh, with uh, Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg being replaced by the most conservative, you know, uh, women that he uh, could uh, find. Uh, also, uh, so we want for you to know that, you know, um, um, uh, these are, you know, uh, tumultuous times and perilous times, and, 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 and we cannot sit out. We cannot go asleep. Uh, around this. We, we must stay uh, uh, woke. Uh, if you're not woke, uh, Lord, please wake up uh, some folk so we can realize that, you know, we have to be, you know, um, participators in this democracy and not just spectators. And we're glad that at Faith Without Borders, we can bring, you know, a, a faith lens uh, that is unapologetically progressive, you know, uh, a liberatory progressive in the work that we seek to uh, accomplish here. Thank you so much uh, uh, for joining us, uh, and uh, we continue through this time together. I'm closing you know, with a uh, song that uh, comes from the land of my birth, just like we started with a song that came from the land of my birth, which is South Africa, and the song simply says, Give me the power to hold on. You have the power to hold on. 
you have the power to keep hope alive and you have the power you know to continue to press on and keep on keeping on thank you so much for joining us this has been faith without borders i'm your host pastor calvin Sauls. one love